This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, good to have you with us here on a Thursday edition of One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Manny Glab here with you. Steve is off and uh, got plenty to get into today. And look, we can cover draft because combine's coming up next week. Maddie and I will be there wall to wall, Monday to Friday. We're going five days this year, not just four. Um, and, you know, we've got free agency on the horizon as well, who are second hour guests we will discuss with in earnest. Uh, we'll let you know who that is in just a second. Um, before we get to all of that, Maddie, I got to tell you, we know that the cost of everything goes up. And I know a lot of people have been up in arms about the cost of food, groceries, and all of that stuff. I came back from two places yesterday that made me do a double take oh, no. at the receipt. Uh. One was the, uh, I'll just say, the computer store where I had to buy ink. Oh, no. Printer ink mm-hmm. for the home printer. It's expensive. It is off the chain. So I, I've, you know, I got a cartridge kind of printer thing. So you get a pack of four that are all the colors, you know, black, cyan, magenta, and yellow. And I'm like, all right, you know, like in the last couple of years, it's been creeping up. But like a four pack, if you get them as a pack, that's usually around $60, $65, which is a lot already. It went up. Like, it's almost 90 now. Oh. I was like, when did this happen? This is like a, it's like a 33% markup. I was like, What? So I, I did a double take when the guy's like, oh, that'll be 90-whatever. I was like, what is going on? And then the second place was the vet. Had to take the dog in for the vaccinations, the flea and tick medication, and, you know, the refills on that, and then, you know, the blood work. I'm not even going to tell you what that was <laughs> because it was I, – I was just – I couldn't believe it. It's it's crazy. Um, and I know there's people out there that actually have pet insurance, you know, in case your pet, God forbid, mm-hmm. has to have, you know, surgery or something. And I guess there's some coverage there. I was like, I, I, I can't do all that. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> I came home like a dog with my tail between my legs <laughs> because uh, I was zipping plastic through going, good Lord, I'm almost into four figures here. Uh, just to go to the printer and the vet. Ugh. I couldn't believe it. So annoying. I went out to dinner the other night with my husband, and we ordered a couple drinks, and like cocktails were like 16 or $18. And we got home, and I was like, we cannot fall into this scam anymore. We're not <laughs> buying 16 or $18 cocktails. Let's make our drinks at home if water. we want to have a drink. Like, come on. You could buy almost a bottle of liquor for that yeah. price. Pre-game and take an Uber. Yeah. <laughs> what the heck? Pre-game at home, take an Uber. I feel you, Brownie. Yeah, so I was just, I had sticker shock yesterday on both of my stops. Uh, after work. That was bananas. Uh, but we do have NFL stuff to get to, and we're going to do that. And it starts with Bill's news today, and it begins with head coach Sean McDermott. He, along with Rams head coach Sean McVay, have both been named to the NFL's competition committee. Those jobs are appointed by Commissioner Roger Goodell. So those two will have their first meetings on that committee at the NFL Combine next week. So kind of cool to see some Bill's representation there and i think too maddie 
it, it's also pretty reflective of the respect that Coach McDermott has mm-hmm. garnered around the league in his seven years as head coach of the Bills. Yeah, definitely. I love that he was recognized in this way. I feel like that's how we recognize him within this building, the way that he carries himself, the type of coach that he is. But when you receive that type of respect outside of the building and within the NFL, I think it says a lot about who you are as a coach and how far you have come since your first few years serving in a head coaching role. And uh, it's awesome that him and Sean McVay will will both be a part of the NFL competition committee now. And the first time they will present in front of owners will be the next owners meetings coming up. End of March is when that is. And they're replacing, because you can't serve on the NFL competition committee if you're not employed in the NFL. So you have owners, team presidents. I don't think it's owners anymore. It used to be. Team presidents, executives, general managers, So you can have front office people serve on the competition committee and you can have coaches serve on the competition committee. And the three departing members who are no longer employed in the NFL, Frank Reich, who got fired by the Panthers, Ron Rivera, who got let go by the Commanders, and Mike Vrabel, who got let go by the Titans. The interesting thing, Maddie, is they only replaced the three three vacancies with two people. Hmm. Now, there isn't a set number of competition committee size per se it's been i've seen it as low as seven or eight and i've seen it as high as 11 but it's usually somewhere in that range and with these two replacing those three what is that one two three four five six seven eight total counting mcveigh and mcdermott um so it went from nine down to eight this year uh, with mcdermott and mcveigh the newest appointees i wonder it's funny i was already getting some Twitter feedback from Bills fans when I just tweeted out the announcement that our PR department put out. And a lot of them are like, oh, is this good for us? Are we going to have some influence in there and change some stuff? I was like, well, hold on a second. Like, he's, he's not even in the door yet. He hasn't had his first meeting. People want Coach McDermott to, like, wield this wand and change everything for the better for, for Bills. Like, yeah, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, you know, and we'll catch up with Coach McDermott next week mm-hmm. when we're out there. Because uh, I know, you know, we'll have some questions for him about how much he's looking forward to that, how he intends to, you know, play a role on that committee, all of that stuff. It'd be really interesting to get his thoughts on it uh, now that he's been named to that role, another role for him in the offseason to undertake. But I, I can almost guarantee, Matt, he probably one of the biggest topics for the competition committee this offseason will be how the kickoffs are going to look. We already saw reports how they were going to take a look at what the XFL used to do with the coverage players 10 yards away from the return players. Yep. Nobody can move until the return man catches the ball. It's like tagging up in baseball. <laughs> um, so there's going to be a lot of conversation about that. That's probably number one on their list, I would think. Yeah, and they review all competitive aspects of the game, including playing rules, roster regulations, technology, game day operations, and player protection, among other aspects. So they'll cover a slew of things when they meet up at the NFL Scouting Combine, which begins next week. We'll be there Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, the other interesting note concerning the Bills There was a piece put together on NFL.com by Kevin Patra who assessed the current receiver situation for every team in the league. And as we know, the Bills have receiver on their to-do list this offseason with the potential departure of Gabriel Davis. And, you know, you have have another free agent in Trent Shurfield. 
We don't know what's going to happen with Deontay Hardy, who may have a cost-prohibitive cap figure. We'll have to see. Um, But this is what they said about uh, the Bills situation at receiver on NFL.com. The dig situation hovers over the Bills' entire offseason like a two-story high pile of snow in a Target parking lot. The club has dismissed thoughts of parting with the star receiver, and Diggs has repeatedly said he wants to be in Buffalo. Yet, even with everyone saying all the right words, there persists a feeling that both sides could use a fresh start. Moving Diggs pre-June 1st would give the Bills a messy money situation, not to mention leave Josh Allen with an extremely shallow receiving core. Buffalo will likely explore bringing back Davis, but he probably finds a richer deal on the open market, pricing himself out of the range for the cap-strap Bills. Regardless of how the dig situation shakes out, adding a wideout in the early to middle rounds of the draft should be a priority. I think we've, we're all in the same boat on that last sentence, but the narrative on digs persists. To me, here is where it doesn't make sense as far as I look at it. This national narrative mm-hmm. I'm talking about, like, oh, digs can move on and whatever, whatever. First of all, as they pointed out, his cap figure is cost prohibitive. It's more expensive to part with him than it is to keep him. That's number one. I know that changes June 1st, and it also would be a little bit lower number if they trade him. Um, To me, you already have a position that is in need of reinforcements. Why would you subtract your number one receiver from that equation? It doesn't compute for me. Yeah, I think it's so silly, that conversation, the national narrative that continues on Stefan Diggs. He's loved playing in Buffalo. He's said time and time again, you know, this is where I would like to finish up my career. You think about what Josh Allen has done for Stefan Diggs and then flip it around what Stefan Diggs has done for Josh Allen. I don't think the book is is closed on on what they have left in store. I think there's still more chapters yet that we can read on Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen. I mean, yes, the end of his season was not as productive as the beginning of his season. I don't think that all falls on Stefan Diggs. I don't think that all falls on Josh Allen or Joe Brady. I think it's a collective thing. You get in the room in the offseason and you say, why did these numbers go down? How can we keep them high? How can we get him involved more along with other receivers? This is your number one receiver on the team. I don't understand why you would want to part ways with him when you look at what he's done in his time in Buffalo. 1,000 receiving yard season after another, breaking records for what wide receivers have done in a Buffalo Bills uniform. He's got to stay here. Yeah, and I mean, even with that drop-off in production in the second half of the year, the guy still finishes with over 100 receptions. Like, you don't just want to throw that out the window because then I think you make a position that could be perceived as, you know, maybe average beyond digs. You make it even weaker. So I I just don't see how that – makes sense. And we heard Brandon Bean at his season wrap-up press conference essentially say he still believes Stephon Diggs is a number one caliber wide receiver. So, and I think you help him if you augment the receiving core with more talent, either a high investment in the draft, something in free agency of good value. So we'll see how it all plays out, but I really don't foresee um, a parting of ways there. Uh, I know we're going to talk mock, mock draft watch on tomorrow's show, Maddie. Uh, but the NFL Network, one of their latest guys, Gennaro Felice, put out his mock draft today. No surprise, three receivers going in the top ten, the same names we've all seen, Harrison, Neighbors, Adunze. He also had four quarterbacks in the top ten, 
one of whom wow. was Michigan's J.J. McCarthy, who is rising fast. He had him going seven overall to Minnesota in a pro- projected trade with Tennessee. Now, I, I was getting the sense that McCarthy was going to be a polarizing figure in this draft. Like Some people were going to be completely in love with him, like his former head coach Jim Harbaugh, who was throwing bouquets left and right after the national title game for McCarthy. And then there are others who are a little more skeptical. So I, I think the range for him... It could be anywhere from top 10 to, like, bottom five in round one. Um, But it's looking more and more like he's moving up draft boards. And I guess if he interviews well and does well on the boards in interviews with teams, maybe he goes even higher. Um, This is what I like about a lot of these mock drafts that we're seeing. This guy, uh, Felice, had four offensive tackles between picks 10 and 20. Seven total before Buffalo's pick. Seven offensive tackles. And he had five corners from picks 8 to 27. To me, this is all good news for the Bills if they are in the receiver market as much as we want to believe they are (laughs) because it's pushing those Mm -hmm. receivers down the board. So we can all hope, right? (laughs) We can all hope. And if those (laughs) receivers get pushed down, and and we're going to talk about it for the next couple months, and and we're going to look at what the mock drafts are saying, and we'll watch what happens at the combine. But it's so funny because then draft night happens, and you have all these predictions and all these mock drafts, and then the run on receivers starts way earlier than you want it to. Hopefully that's not the case in this year's NFL draft. It did happen last year. Uh, He has us picking uh, the Texas wide receiver. And you wonder, okay, can any of these guys fall to the Bills? I mean, Brian Thomas Jr. has been the favorite name amongst mock drafters so far. It seems like he'll be available around there, but... I know boards also have him at, like, number 15 on their board. So when you look at what a board says and then you look at what the mock draft says, if you have somebody that's, like, 15 on a board but might get drafted at number 28, that's value for the team that's drafting him. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that would be great for the Bills, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, it almost seems I I won't believe it until it happens. I'm going to hope like hell, but... I don't know if I'm going to believe it until it actually happens. Mm-hmm. But as Maddie mentioned, uh, Felice had uh, Texas wide receiver Adonai Mitchell going to Buffalo at 28, which I would be very happy with. Really good player. Um, clutch player, too. Clutch, 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 clutch player. The reason I say that is he's the Georgia transfer. He goes to Texas, and he had the go-ahead touchdown in the college football semifinal against, who was that, two years ago? That was the first championship for Georgia. Uh, Ohio State? Yes. Maybe I want to say Ohio, I think it's Ohio State. State. That sounds right. Um, had the go-ahead touchdown, and then Ohio State goes down and misses the field goal. So clutch touchdown at the end of that game. And then last year, two touchdowns in the upset of Alabama for Texas. Uh, and he had a touchdown in the semifinal, but they lost to Washington, uh, who advanced to the national title game and then lost to Michigan. But – Big spots. He makes big plays. He's 6'4", 192. Uh, Pretty polished route runner. Not perfect, but pretty polished for a college guy. And what have we talked about with this team, with where they're at, with what they're missing 
After the season, we heard from several players and Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, and we heard the same thing a lot. It was it comes down to a couple of plays. We are a couple plays away from making it to the AFC Championship game. We're a couple plays away of possibly being a Super Bowl contender. If you're looking at a couple plays, what goes along with that? A clutch player who can make those couple plays that are true difference maker makers. This is why you might want a guy like that on your team. Yeah. The other position that saw a lot of players was cornerback in Felice's mock draft. Um, five corners from picks 8 to 27. And I don't, I don't think the Bills are in the market for a corner, at least not early. I mean, depending on who they can bring back, like if you can re-sign Dane Jackson at an affordable price to be you know, a reserve corner mm-hmm. on this roster, I'm fine with that. Um, you know, and then what happens, you know, in free agency, do they add some veteran at a, at a low cost? You could do that. Um, and really I think a fresh start is coming for Kyrie Elam here in year three, uh, with all the changes on the coaching staff, particularly in the secondary, I think it'll be a fresh start for him along with those coaches that are coming on board. So hopefully he gets a full opportunity to try to earn a starting job, opposite Christian Benford, where his chief competition, at least right now, appears to be Rasul Douglas, who's still under contract. Yeah, I like where the Bills are at with the cornerback position. I don't think that's a position of need. I like what we got from the guys uh, last season from Christian Benford and, and Rasul Douglas, and I hope we see Kyir Elam in the mix of everything as well. I mean, when he came back from injury at the end of the season, we saw him have some clutch plays we saw him perform we also saw him get some penalties some head scratchers that are are penalties that you want to avoid as a cornerback but we also saw him have some big time interceptions and that's kind of the player that that we know him to be I think back to his first NFL season especially in the games against the Miami Dolphins I feel like he really shined I remember one one game two years ago where he did a great job against Tyreek Hill. I think that was at the end of the season. The I think he had game. two pass breakups and and I think had an interception. In the yeah, playoff game. Exactly. Yeah. So this is somebody who has shined in the big time moments. I think he needs more reps. I think the consistency aspect is something we're looking for out of Kyir Elam. And if he gets more opportunities to play in the game, maybe that's exactly what we're going to see from him. So I like where the Bills are at with cornerbacks. Now safety is a big question on this roster, this upcoming uh, free agency season, draft season. We're not sure what's going to happen there at that safety position for the Bills. Yeah, I'd be inclined to think they'd want some veterans there, especially if you have two young corners potentially starting outside. You have Taron Johnson, you know, still as your nickel corner who can kind of be a leader on the back end, you know, depending on who is and who is not here by the time we get to September. But suffice it to say, there's going to be a lot of turnover there in the secondary this offseason, more than we're accustomed to seeing. And actually, Steve Tasker and myself went into depth on that in the latest edition of the Bills by the Numbers podcast. So if you want more on that, uh, you can go there on any podcast platform you listen to. Just punch in Bills by the Numbers and you can get an in-depth conversation this week. It's out right now. Uh, Topic of discussion for us today, though, concerns what you are hoping to hear about the Bills at next week's NFL Combine. We know that's where a lot of free agency business is done with their own free agent players. They start mapping out contract parameters. 
things of that nature. How realistic is it that we re-sign this player? Is this player going to test the market and tells the Bills as much? So what is it that you're hoping to kind of hear about the Bills at next week's NFL Combine? Some news coming out of Indianapolis on the Bills. What kind of news are you hoping to hear about the team next week? 803-0550-1888-550-2550, the number to get on board. And we do have some open lines for you. If you don't have time to hit us up on the phones, you can always send us a message on the tweet sheet at One Bills Live. But we go to the phones at 803-0550. Leading us off today is Judy in Buffalo. Uh, let me punch her up here. What do you got for us, Judy? <clears throat> okay. I tried to make my point yesterday and my phone conked out because I didn't watch my charge, all right? <laughs> to me, offense is the name of the game. All right. I, I go back two years ago when we played Cincinnati. Cincinnati had a quarterback and three sterling receivers. And this this was the Hamlin game. They scored a touchdown. They were on the verge of scoring another one. They were going to embarrass us in that game. All right, well, circumstances said differently. Eventually, we played Cincinnati again, and they did embarrass us because they have the quarterback and the receivers. Before the season began, I said the two surprise teams would be Cleveland and Green Bay. Steve agreed with me on Cleveland, not so much on Green Bay. Look what happened. Green Bay had a quarterback, two receivers, Watson and Dobbs, and somehow they came up with three other receivers. I don't even know what their names were, but they were enough to embarrass the, the, the Cowboys in the playoffs. So the point I, I, I keep making this, we have the best quarterback in the league, and we have got to give him the offensive power that he needs Otherwise, it'll be the same thing year after year. Okay, my phone is still intact. Yeah. That's it. Well done, Judy. Thanks for the call. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm on the receiver train and getting Josh more weapons. I think the other receiver you were thinking of in Green Bay was Dontavian Wicks, who was a fifth-round pick, uh, but has turned out to be a nice supporting cast-type weapon for them um, behind some of their top guys. Um that they have up there that they used earlier draft picks on, like Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. Um, they drafted all of those guys in each of the last two drafts, and they drafted two tight ends, pass-catching tight ends, in Luke Musgrave and Tucker Craft, both in the same draft last year. And those guys came in and played a role for the young quarterback as well, Jordan Love. I don't know if I agree with you that offense is what carried Cleveland to the playoffs. It was largely their defense, uh, which was stellar, and one of the best in the league. It's one of the reasons why uh, Jim Schwartz got named assistant coach of the year uh, for the job he did with that Cleveland defense. Because to make the playoffs with three or four different quarterbacks playing for you, it's probably not your offense. Um, and their defense was top-notch all season long. So, yeah, they both made the playoffs, but I think for somewhat different reasons. But I, we've had Judy call us before, Maddie, and her – her mode is just outscore the other team. Mm -hmm. And I think if you look at this year's playoffs, it's hard not to agree with that because Kansas City beat the number four scoring defense in the Bills. They beat the number uh, six or seven scoring defense in the Dolphins. They beat the number one scoring defense in the Ravens and the number two scoring defense in the Niners en route to their third Super Bowl. So it seems that 
Having a great defense, or at least a very good defense, is what you need to get to the playoffs. But what you need to win the Super Bowl is an offense. And granted, Kansas City did it with maybe their worst offense of the Reed era. Mm -hmm. But they got the difference maker, and that's Mahomes. I was going to say, look at (laughs) Kansas City's defense this year and how much of a difference maker that was was when the offense was down. And you look at what teams scored on Kansas City in the postseason. Bills had the most points of anybody. Yeah, the Bills had the most points, 24. The second most was the 49ers with 22 points scored on the Kansas City Chiefs. And that was in overtime. In overtime. Kansas City Chiefs didn't reach... 30 points, though. It's not like scoring the most points. You have the number 30 in your mind in the playoffs. The Chiefs scored 26 points, 27 points, then 17 and 25. So maybe the lucky number there, at least in last year, was the upper 20s. The Bills were right there with the Chiefs, 24. They're not far off. No. Uh, They're really not. And I know that Bills fans might be, you know, getting a little – impatient when we get to March and free agency opens and the Bills start signing defensive players, but that's because they've got a lot more holes on the defensive side of the ball. You've got at least one safety spot, starting safety spot open now, potentially two, depending on who could be a cap casualty. You may have, you may have, you have openings all across the defensive front because only four of the 12 defensive linemen are under contract. Eight of the other eight are free agents, um, and a couple are going to be too costly to retain. So just by a sheer number standpoint, you have more starting roles open on the defensive side of the ball than on offense, where the only one might be number two receiver if Gabe Davis doesn't come back. One starter on offense. So in the early going, I think there is going to be a defensive focus just because of the holes you have to fill. And I can see Bills fans now going, oh, my God, we're spending more assets on defense. Well, you kind of have to just because of the holes that currently exist there. Um, so don't, don't get all in a panic uh, if Brandon Bean goes about addressing the defensive holes on this roster first because it's probably going to happen. And I was just going to say, tell yourself that if, if we're addressing these defensive holes and free agency is loaded with defensive signings, just think we're just freeing it up for the offense in the draft. Yeah. We're, we're getting our ducks in a row for what the defense needs. We're, we're dealing with our needs right now in free agency. The draft is all about your wants. The draft is about what's, what's the best player available. And hopefully some of those guys are going to be on offense when it's time for that number 28th overall pick. We do need to tell you that coming up in hour number two, we're going to have a conversation with Eric Edholm from NFL.com. He's been putting stuff together of late. Uh, on the division, on free agency coming up. He also had a Bills outlook as well. So we look forward to that conversation in hour number two. Eric at home from NFL.com. So be sure to stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, it's you and your phone calls as we are asking you, what are you hoping to hear about the Bills at next week's NFL Combine? Could be something about the roster. Could be something about one of their free agents. Could be something about their inclinations in the draft, although It'd be hard to kind of pull anything concrete out of, you know, GM Brandon Bean or head coach Sean McDermott, and understandably so. You want to keep your cards close to the vest this time of year. Um, Although some people will also tell you that it's lying season. Lying season begins now uh, as GMs try to throw other teams off the scent, so to speak. Um, But free agency will have a lot to say 
about where the Bills go in the draft. And as we know, Brandon Bean tries to fill as many holes as possible with free agency so he doesn't have to reach for a positional need when he's on the clock in the draft. And he's done a pretty good job of that in recent years. I mean, very few glaring holes are there. It might be a little bit more of a challenge this year, though, Maddie, because first they've got to get cap compliant and, you know, clear $50 million in cap space just to get cap compliant. Then we've estimated they've got to clear about another $15 million just for their draft class, where they currently have 12, 10 picks, or at least projected 10, pres- presuming they get the compensatory for the loss of Tremaine Edmonds. And then how much are you allocating to free agents? That's the other question. So... I think it's going to be a little more tricky this year than it's been in recent years. Yeah, we heard Brandon Bean speak at the end of the season, and, and he said this is going to be a really big off season for us, knowing what we're going to have to do. Now, they don't have that cap number. Maybe that's one thing that we all want out of the combine is to hear that the cap in 2024 is going to be higher than yeah, expected. Which has been that reported. would be incredible. It has been reported that it might get up to 250. So. Maybe we'll that would help him out, but yeah. An extra $7 million will help. Oh, yes. <laughs> he's got his work cut out for him, but I think we can all trust in what he's capable of. I don't think he's shown us that we shouldn't trust in him in any way, shape, or form because of how he's operated in this position since he came to Buffalo in 2017, clearing a lot of big-name players out in that first season to make room for Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs and Von Miller. They've signed some really big players over the last few years. Maybe we don't hear of those big names in this free agency, but all that matters is that you're getting guys on this roster that can compete and hopefully make those few plays that matter in those big-time games and in those playoff games. Yeah. So the question is on the table for you today. What are you hoping to hear about the Bills at next week's NFL Combine? 803-0550, The number to get on board got open lines for you. Or hit us up on the tweet sheet at One Bills Live. We take a break here, but your phone call's next here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Maddie Glad with you here on a Thursday, and we are discussing NFL Combine Week. What are you hoping to hear about the Bills at next week's NFL Combine? I know what I'm looking forward to. Good news on Matt Milano recovery. I'd be very happy a good one. if Brandon Bean or head coach Sean McDermott tell us next week that Matt Milano is going to be full go and ready to roll uh, come the off-season conditioning program commencement in April. That would be music to my ears. So that's something that I'm kind of hoping to hear, uh, knowing how much they missed him in the lineup for the last three quarters of the season and the playoffs. What about you, Matty? Is there anything at the top of your list? or I'm looking at all of our free agents on this team, and a bulk of those free agents are at the defensive line position. In mm-hmm. fact, there's only one, two, three, four. Yeah, four D four linemen, D under, linemen contract. under contract. And only one of them is a f- defensive tackle. <laughs> 
Yeah. And Oliver. Whew. So what I am looking for is I would like to know a little bit more information about what we might do with some of these free agents, specifically talking about the defensive tackle spot during the combine. I want to hear that maybe we'll bring one of these guys back. I would love Daquan Jones to be on this roster in 2024. I think he was a big part of the defensive line uh, last season and would continue to be going forward if he's on this roster. But I would like... Brandon Bean to start painting the picture a little bit there at the defensive line spot because if not, man, they might have to do quite a bit of work in free agency at that position. What are you hoping to hear about the Bills in next week's NFL Combine? You can let us know at 803-0550-1888-550-2550. Got some open lines for you there. Or you can hit us up on the tweet sheet at One Bills Live. But we go back to the phones and to Darnell in Buffalo. What do you got for us, Darnell? Hey, how you doing? Good. Um, I have a question. I was wondering, like, as far as the receivers that may be available for the Bills sometime for them to pick, do you think any of them are um, better than Justin Shorter, the pick that we got last year? Yeah, I mean, it, it's really tough to say because we really haven't seen Shorter at the NFL level outside of the preseason games uh, last August. Uh, he went on IR with an injury and never came off IR. So... We didn't see him in a game all season, so it's really kind of hard to know what they have in him. I'm sure the coaching staff and the personnel department have a better idea because at least they saw him for a good portion of the practice settings uh, when he was still healthy. But even they didn't see a full season of him even on the practice field because he was on injured reserve. Now, if you just take his draft stock, he was a fifth-round draft choice, and he's got size and athletic ability, good hands, but we haven't seen him in an NFL setting. And this is considered a far deeper class of receivers this year than the one last year that he was a part of. So, yes, I would say there are probably quite a bit of receiving prospects in this year's class that at least 32 NFL teams consider better than Justin Shorter because they're going to be taken sooner than he was on the board in a better year for receiver talent. So, I would tend to lean towards yes. Um, That's not to say that the Bills have given up on Justin Shorter. I just think they want to have more deposits for the wide receiver room uh, before all is said and done. And I think another thing to note about the wide receiver position in this year's draft class is that the, the bulk of the wide receiver's this year, our true X position. So you're looking at the bigger receivers, the tall receivers. Justin Shorter is a taller receiver at 6'4", 223. But the bulk of this year's draft class is that true X position, which in the draft class before this year, last year, they were a lot, they were a lot smaller and a lot, a lot quicker, guys. a lot of slot guys. But this year, you're seeing the big guys coming out of college football. So you may have more to choose from. Yeah, I would agree with that. The pool is definitely deeper. Mm-hmm. It's more talented. So maybe think about it this way. In, a, in an average receiver class last year, Shorter was a fifth-round pick. This year, and this is no knock on Shorter, but this year, with as deep as the class is, he might not have come off the board until round seven um, because the class is that much deeper and more talented, especially with players of similar stature to yes. him. So I think all things being equal – I would venture to guess that the majority of NFL teams believe there are 12 to 15 receivers in this class that they would probably give a higher grade to 
than the grade they gave Justin Shorter last year. I think that's being fair. Um, but thanks for the call, Darnell. Appreciate it. 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550. We are going to take a look at the tweet sheet in terms of what you're hoping to hear about the Bills at next week's NFL Combine, which is brought to you by Corrigan Moving Systems, the official equipment moving company of the Buffalo Bills. And Robert leads us off by saying, I'm hoping to hear that they've re-signed Epinesa, extended Rousseau, or even better, both. So they're talking about somebody whose contract is up and somebody whose contract could be in line for an extension. Here's the thing. He just completed his third season, Rousseau did, So the Bills do have a decision to make on his fifth-year option Mm -hmm. now that he's got three years in the books and whether to pick that up. Obviously, that would not kick in until the 2025 season, but now is when you have to make the call on that before the first week in May. So that's step one. And then Epines's market value is something that's going to be very interesting. Yeah, I would guess that Brandon Bean would allow A.J. Epinesa to say, hey, Go see what you're worth on the market. Go go see what number you can get. Come back to us, and then maybe we'll try to work something out. We hear him say, not just for AJ Epinesa, but for a lot of these players that are free agents, like, go test the market. See if you can get more than what we would offer, and then you can decide. Then you can decide, hey, do you want to come back to us, a team that you know, uh, a team that you know how to play for, a defense that you understand well, or would you rather go make money elsewhere and go to a new team? I would love to see A.J. Epinesa back here. I loved what he did for this team last season. It's hard to think about A.J. Epinesa and Greg Rousseau not being together. Those two are so, so tight. We did a podcast episode with them this year, and it was so fun to kind of get to learn the inner workings of their relationship and just really how close they are, how they make each other better. They're they're very similar in body size, and so when it comes to practices and watching a film, they feed off of each other a lot, and I think you saw that on the field this season with how both of their games elevated. Both very soft-spoken, too, Mm -hmm. like just their demeanor. Yes. Um, um, but, yeah, I would argue that Epinesa probably had his best season in a Bills uniform last season. Uh, still a rotational player, but more productive than we had ever seen him before. It's almost like he finally put it all together uh, in year four as a former second-round draft pick. The thing about it is I wonder what his value is going to look like on the open market. Obviously, the things that are attractive. Productive pass rusher, bats a lot of passes down and was productive even though his snaps were limited because of the rotation that they ran. Uh, And he's 26. He's in the prime of his career. So those are four things working in his favor. What's not working in his favor might be something like, and I would expect good personnel evaluators to ask this question, how come he could never get on the field as a starter? What what was the roadblock Mm -hmm. there? Um, You might have some good answers. Leonard Floyd, who had a a 10-and-a-half sack season superseded him as a starter, even though Von Miller wasn't Von Miller at the start of the year and wasn't even active. Um, so there are, there are some questions uh, concerning Epines's career to date, but there are also some positives there. So knowing the premium there is on edge-rushing talent in this league, I think there will be some demand for him. How high the number goes will determine whether or not the Bills stay in, stay in the hunt or stay in the bidding for Epinesa's services. And Epinesa, as we know, players, when they get to their second contract, that's when they want to hit it big. They're in the prime of their career. 
They are their most attractive as a commodity in this league because they still have a lot of years in front of them, and they have hopefully a proven body of work behind them. And so that's when they have their one big swing to make big, life-changing money. And I would anticipate Epinesa and a guy like Gabe Davis to try to seek that out on the open market. It wouldn't shock me if Brandon Bean goes to both of those camps and says, look, this is our cap situation. This is what we can offer you based on our fiscal parameters. Uh, If you think you can do, do better, go ahead and do that. Seek better numbers on the open market. And if you can get it, good luck to you. But we're just not in a position where we can offer more than X. And here are some names that are free agents, defensive end position, Leonard Williams, Carl Lawson, Marcus Davenport, Romeo Quara, Yannick Ngakwe, Chase Young, Calais Campbell. So there's some names up there that are going to be at the top of the list, and you wonder where A.J. Abanessa fits into all of that. If it's going to be a list that is very top-heavy, then maybe maybe the value is best to come back and, and play for the Bills. We don't know how that's going to look, though. Right. And, you know, as for Rousseau, I think they wait on that. They don't really have to do anything right now, and they have bigger fish to fry, um, namely their own free agents, whether it's the one Maddie mentioned earlier, Daquan Jones, who I would think is a priority for them to get back in the fold if possible, or whether it's one of these other players, you know, that maybe they say that guy's a priority to get back on the roster, whether it's Epinesa, somebody else on defense where they have more holes. Uh, I think those take precedence over a guy who's under contract through next season. Obviously, they'll have to make a fifth-year option decision on Rousseau, but as far as an extension, uh, I, I just don't foresee it. Um, Got to take a break here. When we come back, more of your thoughts on the tweet sheet, more of your phone calls at 803-0550. What are you hoping to hear about the Bills at next week's NFL Combine? 803-0550. We're back in a flash here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Matty Glad with you. The Buffalo Bills coverage of the 2024 NFL Combine is presented by Ticketmaster, the official ticket marketplace of the NFL. Matty Glab and myself are taking the show on the road. Full coverage all week from Indianapolis. Here from head coach Sean McDermott, GM Brandon Bean, and other draft analysts as we prepare for the upcoming NFL draft. It's gonna the the NFL world is gonna be there, and so are oh, yeah. we. So Got a lot of great interviews already lined up by our uh, ace producer, Jay Harris. So uh, we'll have some real quality content on the show next week, Monday through Friday. Uh, we usually don't get out there till Tuesday. We'll be there all week uh, this coming week, starting on Monday show at 1 p.m. So be sure to tune in all week long. We go back to the phones, though, at 803-0550, where we are asking you, what are you hoping to hear about the Bills at next week's NFL Combine? And waiting for us there is Dennis in North Carolina. What's up, Dennis? Hey, how y'all doing today? Good. Hey, I'd be really interested to see what Buffalo can do about free agency, get Leonard Floyd back. And I really think Buffalo should go after, like, a really good linebacker, a DB, somebody that's going to play aggressive. And somebody that really stand out to me is – 
I think Buffalo should draft uh, the quarterback from Tennessee. He's really strong arm, throw about 90, 95 yards, very mobile. Maybe he could help throw get the win. Uh, you want a, big, you want a quarterback, Dennis? Did you say a quarterback? Yeah, I mean, yeah, everybody needs a quarterback, right? I mean, Josh Allen can't play forever. Right, but he's he's twenty eight. He's probably I mean, barring a career ending injury, he's playing for probably at least you know eight more years. I don't know if you got to look I, I, just I, yet. I mean, you know, you you always want somebody that Josh Allen can groom or uh, learn the system and can play in the cold weather days. And a lot of the quarterbacks we have now, I mean, they you know, I I, I like to see somebody from Tennessee up in Buffalo. What, what I get to. Okay. All right. So your bias is coming through, Dennis. Thanks for the call. He's a, clearly a Vols fan, <laughs> and he wants he wants Tennessee players in Bill's uniforms. We used to have a few back in the day, uh, going all the way back to Peerless Price and Jabari Greer, among others. Um, that, you know, it could happen. I just don't think it's happening at the quarterback position. I hope They're not. kind of set there. Jeez. Kind of set there with one of the best in the league. Yeah. And he's only 28. I mean, he's in his prime. Um, you want to talk about getting somebody in the backup role who is kind of capable of holding the fort down if, God forbid, Josh misses a game or two? I'll listen to that. Yeah. Um, but they're good. Trust me. They're good. As Steve pointed out the other day, and he he did the research on this, so I'll give him full credit. Josh had more total touchdowns and the same number of interceptions as the league MVP and the comeback player of the year combined. Um, Two award winners. uh, And he had better stats than both of them. So take it for what it's worth. Dennis, I appreciate the phone call, but I think they're good. At uh, quarterback. I thought he was going to talk about, I thought he was saying corner yeah. or defensive tackle, and then he said linebacker too. And look, they do need some linebacker depth. I don't think there's any secret about that because they lost Milano and lost Bernard, and they were twisting in the wind there for the playoffs. That was bad timing. Um, but you know that Tyler Matikavich is a free agent, so you may have to replace that guy on special teams. You have Tyrell Dotson as a free agent. Is he going to come back? We don't know. Um, Dorian Williams was certainly a nice find in the third round last year, and I think he's got a lot of promise and will probably be the first guy off the bench next year, barring a major draft pick or free agent investment at the position behind Milano and Bernard. Um, But, you know, come day three, you probably need to get a linebacker for some depth on this roster to to play special teams probably right out of the shoot. Balin Specter's also on the roster too. I didn't want to forget him. Yeah, and Balin will probably fill a role in special teams because yep. that's what he's done in the past. Uh, wonder if he moves up the pecking order in terms of depth on this roster when his name is called. We saw him play uh, toward the end of this past season when they needed to use a lot of that depth. But yeah, I would I would want to look at a linebacker um, on day three of this draft for sure to help out with some of that depth yeah and defensive tackles obvious maddie's already kind of covered it both from a free agent perspective but in the draft too because just it's an expensive position to invest in in free agency and to think that the bills are in a cap position where they can sign two notable names at that position might be a little foolhardy one perhaps and that's 
probably Daquan Jones if they had their choice. But after that, it's probably one-year veteran minimum deals to fill some of the holes, and then probably a draft choice, perhaps two, uh, to kind of round out the unit at that position. Let's get back to the phones, though, and to Pete in Amherst next here before the break. What's up, Pete? Uh, hi, guys. I had one quick comment, three quick questions. Um, sure. I agree with you, uh, Chris. I really like Yad and I, uh, Mitchell of Texas, as a, a first-round pick. Um, I was wondering how many receivers you thought the Bills should have on the active 53. I always thought five was a little light. That was my first question. Secondly, what do you folks think of K.J. Osborne as a mid-level uh, receiver to sign? You know, he's pretty fast, and he can definitely jump. And third, uh, last question, what do you think of uh, a backup quarterback uh, – Easton Stick is a possibility there. All right, thanks. I'll, I'll hang up and listen. Thank yeah. you. All right. Yeah, no problem. We can take those in order. Um, yeah, I mean, the Bills had five. In previous years, they've had six. They've never had seven. I think six is a good number um, in today's NFL. There are a handful of teams that carry seven, but most of the teams that do don't have two really good tight ends like the Bills do. So I would anticipate six being the number if, you know, they're in a situation where they can afford to do that. If you remember, they've gone heavy at the defensive line position the last couple of years, and you got to rob from Peter to pay Paul when you only have 53 spots to use. So, you know, yes, I, I would tend to agree five receivers is a little light, but with the flexibility of the practice squad where you can now carry 16 players, it affords you the ability to elevate players in a given week when you might need them. And that's kind of why I think they felt okay carrying just five receivers because they elevated Andy Isabella a couple of times. We saw that. So that's something that you know teams have in their back pocket as well. Uh, you want to answer the next question? He was... Is that about wide receiver, K.J. Osborne? Yeah. Okay. Good player. Yeah, he's 5'11", 203. Decent player, had uh, good stats in Minnesota, started in every single game in the last three seasons, minus one, looking at his stats right now. Um, was really productive in 2021 with seven touchdowns, so you like to see that. Um, had around just over 500 receiving yards last year. So, yeah, if you're looking to build depth on this roster, wide receiver is a spot where I look. K.J. Osborne could fit in one of those spots that's available. Uh, Trent Sherfield is is another free agent alongside of Gabe Davis, so you have to fill that spot as well. Uh, Chris talked about earlier, we're not sure about Deontay Hardy. He is under contract, um, but that number uh, may be yeah, pretty number. high, cap number pretty high. So, yeah, I'll I'll listen to KJ Osborne. I'm yeah. I'm down for that. There's quite a few wide receivers and some big names that are available in free agency. Not saying that the Bills are going to go after a big name, but I think beyond that, there's some good depth to that second tier guys yeah. available this and, year. And he was a guy that was kind of buried in the pecking order there in Minnesota because in front of him you had Justin Jefferson, T.J. Hawkinson, the tight end, and then their first round pick Jordan Addison. So a lot of weeks. Osborne was the fourth option. It was hard to produce mm -hmm. just because of where he sat in the pecking order. And I think maybe somewhere else he could have a chance to make a greater impact in a passing game. And he's certainly an elite athlete. So maybe he's a guy that the Bills look at and say, you know what? This is a guy that we feel comfortable putting in the number two role until whoever our major draft investment is is ready to assume that 
and take that role, and then you still have Osborne as a depth piece. So I could see something like that um, taking place there. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. Um, we got to take a break because we're up against it. But hour number two is going to begin with Eric Edholm, our guest for hour number two from NFL.com. has had a lot of good recent content lately on that site. We'll talk it over with him next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, welcome into hour number two here on a Thursday. Chris Brown, Maddie Glad with you, and happy to be joined now by lead NFL writer for NFL.com. It is Eric Edholm joining us here in hour number two. And as we uh, wait to head out to the Combine in Indy, Eric, um, before we take a look at some of the news coming out of this year's draft class, you and uh, your colleague Chad Ruder recently put together a ranking of last year's draft classes with rookie grades. You had the Bills in eighth, which I think it's a pretty good showing for a team drafting as low as they have the last several years. Um, what did you what did you like most about what the Bills and Brandon Bean were able to put together in last year's class? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's, uh, you know, there were, there were a couple tight ends who really stood out uh, in the, the rookie draft class, Sam Laporta in Detroit, and then also Dalton uh, Kincaid with the Bills. So I felt like, you know, getting one of those two guys was, was pretty strong. And, you know, maybe, you know, his best football is yet to come, too. We could see him kind of put up the same sort of full season production that Laporta did. I saw some flashes that made me think he's capable of that. And, and just solid starters, you know, obviously Osiris Torrance and, uh, you know, contributors at linebacker Dorian Williams. Um, obviously, the, the lower picks didn't get as much time. But, you know, like you said, I, I did factor in, look, if you're the Detroit Lions, you have a ton of picks like they did last year. You got to impress me more than a team like the Bills would with fewer picks and picking lower. So I thought they made the most, especially of their higher picks and, uh, you know, really doing a nice job overall. Well, we're hoping the Bills are going to be at the top of that list after this year's draft because of what they might have to do in the draft. This is a team that might not have that much wiggle room with their cap number with some big guys on the roster and Josh Allen and Von Miller and Stefan Diggs who will eat up a a big part of that number. So you look to the NFL draft where you can get some really talented players for not a lot of money. Why do you think this draft for the Bills is so important to to maybe helping them get over the hump but still have a really talented roster? Yeah, you you made the most important point, which is that the money's tighter now, right? Even if they they do some adjustments uh, in the in the weeks to come and, you know, help kind of clean up the books a little bit, you know, you still have Josh Allen's contract now taking up a bigger percentage of the cap and, you know, we've seen this team come close year in year out. You know, obviously, every pick that you make successfully can help you take that next proverbial step, right? So um, it's obviously as much about the second and third year players developing as you hope and and keeping those guys on track to to be starters or contributors. But, 
you know, these days we've seen contenders have rookie contributors right away, uh, even on talented rosters, teams that made the playoffs the year before. So, you know, this is this is a really interesting first round and, and maybe some of the Bills potential needs line up with some of the strengths in the draft. Not all of them necessarily, but uh, a couple spots like wide receiver and maybe the, the, the pass rush group, something like that. Right. And while there are more holes, at least currently, on the defensive side of the ball, whether it's starting roles or depth for Buffalo's roster, then on offense, where really the only potential starting hole could be if Gabe Davis leaves via free agency, Bills fans are clamoring for more weapons in what they believe is a full-blown arms race in the AFC. Um, I know that Kansas City won the Super Bowl with arguably their least talented offensive group, and it was due in large part to the fact that they had the number two defense in football. Um, But at the same time, that hamstrung Kansas City offense, relatively speaking, um, still got by three top ten defenses en route to the Super Bowl and then beat the number eight defense or the number three scoring defense. Uh, There are people that believe the hell with – Defense, you want to be you want to be good on that side of the ball. You can't be bad, right. but you better be able to hang thirty and somehow beat a Chiefs defense that gives Mahomes multiple chances to win games for them. Yeah, yeah, Kansas City. I wouldn't say they necessarily broke the mold because we're still talking about one of the great young quarterbacks in football. Exactly. And- They've obviously done it in a different way in the past with more of emphasis on the offense and less on the defense, perhaps. But you saw them undergo a, a defensive overhaul a couple of years ago, and I'll be curious to see if more teams don't follow that. Again, you have to have something you can rely on at that quarterback position. I believe the Bills would qualify with Josh right. Allen, who was right in that, that, that same zip code, I think, is Mahomes, with Mahomes as far as young playmaking quarterbacks go. But, um, you know, that's, that's the question to pose is – do you put all your eggs on the offensive basket saying, hey, we want to surround Josh with as much talent as possible? Or do you kind of go against the wind a little bit and, and mirror some of what Kansas City's roster building was like basically starting two years ago when they you know, had two first-round picks and, and made a ton of picks on that side of the ball and just kind of carpet-bombed it uh, and ended up getting some day-three help and ended up getting help on all three levels of the defense. So it's an interesting approach, right? We've heard for 10, 15 years now since, you know, the offenses have kind of exploded around the league that, you know, that's really where the emphasis is. I don't know that that's the case after we saw what the Chiefs did uh, this past season. And there have been other teams who've done somewhat similar things. Well, speaking of those options, the Bills lost to the Chiefs again in the playoffs. They lost by just three points. And we heard from a lot of players and coaches after the season, including Brandon Bean, that the Bills are just a few plays away from being that team that beats the Chiefs in the playoffs, from being that team that makes it to the AFC Championship and, and wins and, and gets a game in the Super Bowl. Where do you think the Bills go from here? What's left for them to, to fill on their roster? What do they need to do this offseason to make sure that they're not a few plays away next year? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think if, there, if there's a position in the draft where you theoretically, especially you know, considering the range in which they're picking, you know, they can move up a little, move down a little, what have you, but that sort of area in the draft, especially – um, and I know I'm starting in reverse. We have free agency. We have the potential for trades. But as you guys mentioned, they might be a little bit, you know, cap stricken in, in some regards. So wide receiver and pass rusher are probably two areas where at that point of the draft, you might be able to get a talent that's worth what the 20th pick would normally be worth uh, in an in a, in a average draft, let's say. So 
you know, whether that's a player like Keon Coleman from, from Florida State, maybe a Brian Thomas from LSU slips. You know, there's a guy at Georgia, Lad McConkie, who, you know, I think now that we've seen him healthy, he was down at the Senior Bowl last week. Maybe he buys for a late first-round pick or uh, A.D. Mitchell at Texas had a nice uh, semifinal game against Washington and I think helped boost his stock. He's going to run well, I believe, in Indy. So that's a position that that theoretically you could get instant contributions from uh, even with a later first-round pick. Go to the defensive side of the ball. I know it's not considered a strong defensive class overall, especially when we may not have a top-10 pick on defense, which is very unusual. Um, you still could have Chop Robinson, a pass rusher from Penn State, Darius Robinson from Missouri, uh, who's a, a bigger frame guy who could play inside and out, but it but is a defensive end. You know, Laatu Latu, uh, Jared Verse. There are some other guys who may not go quite as high as you think or you've seen in mock drafts and could be on the board for them. So, you know, I'm not saying they have to corner themselves into one of those two positions. I'm just saying if you're looking for the most year one bang for your buck and you feel like the, the clock is ticking, those are two spots they might be able to help themselves. Well, yeah, and I think that's – I think that's paramount this year for the Bills, Eric, because to your point, the cap constraints are more challenging. And I know that Sean McDermott, as a matter of philosophy, is hesitant to hand rookies starting jobs out of the chute. He did it last year with Kincaid and Osiris Torrance, as we know. But knowing that you're not going to be able to swing big in free agency and you're going to have to take a budgetary approach there – Brandon Bean said it at his season wrap-up press conference. We got a hit on this draft big time because you're going to probably need your top two picks to do the same thing that Kincaid and Torrance did in terms of role on this football team, wherever it is they line up. Yeah, and it's good to have you know a draft class where you've already done that, right? And I think their their targeted approach has been very smart over the years, and they've been able to find um, you know. Uh, year one contributors in round one. Now, you don't have a few exceptions, right? We're still waiting to see what Kyrie Elam can be, but he had, you know, a few big plays in the playoffs when he was pressed into duty. But, you know, just sort of look over what Brandon's uh, career in Buffalo has been. They've they've had some, you know, stand-up doubles for those kinds of picks, and that's a good thing. I mean, if it, it's nice to have a high floor as well as a high ceiling as a prospect, and despite, you know, often picking down in the, the bottom half of the, of the first round. So, yeah, I mean, I, you never want to put yourself in that position where you say, we've got to come out of this draft with two starters or else, because that may restrict you from players who have a higher ceiling later. But I, I think they have an eye for guys who potentially could contribute right away, and that may give them a little bit of an advantage picking an area where it's already been picked through a little bit. There are fewer prospects at that point. Well, let's talk about some of those prospects. In your latest mock draft, you have the Bills selecting Troy Flank Franklin with the number 28th overall pick. And if you look at his stats, this is a guy who was productive uh, during his three seasons at Oregon, had over 1,300 receiving yards in 2023 and 14 touchdowns. Why do you think he could be a good fit for the Bills? Yeah, I mean, he's really a three-level weapon. I mean, you can use him as a deep threat. You can send him over the middle. I mean, I think he's going to measure in somewhere in the 6'2 range. Uh, I don't think he's – I don't know what he was listed at, maybe a little higher than that. But, I mean, still, with good good length. Um, you know, we don't know whether Gabe's going to be part of this team. You need somebody to kind of replicate what he does in that respect. But I think what, what makes Franklin exciting, too, is that he's a good yak uh, yards after catch guy on some of the short stuff, too. So, I mean, he's a weapon. I mean, I'd like to see him 
finish catches a little bit more consistently. You see some, you know, the occasional concentration drop or, you know, losing body position. But I think some of that stuff can be taught, right? I mean, you want to see the natural ability and the high-end ability on display. And his tape does that. I mean, I think that's the most exciting thing about it. And this year especially, I mean, I know we feel like, you know, maybe not last year, but for most of the last decade, we've talked about the the riches at wide receiver in the in, in recent draft classes. This year's no different. This is a very, very good draft in, at wide receiver. So, you know, again, Franklin might normally go, go, go you know, in that in that sort of 18 to 28 range in a normal draft, but he could be pushed back a little bit. So, yeah, I, I think there's a chance that one of those types of receivers is going to be on the board when they pick, and, and it could be an instant contributor. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because as deep as the class is, I think what helps the Bills is it's rich, and Maddie mentioned this earlier in the show, it's rich in X receivers, which wasn't the case last year. You had a lot of Good slot point. guys last year, and the Bills need an X. Like, uh, let's just assume Davis is not here they need a guy that can line up outside with some size because Davis was the only guy over six foot on the roster at receiver. I think Sherfield yep. might be six one in cleats, but uh, he's a free agent too anyway. So for the type of receiver that we anticipate the Bills will be after, uh, you know, knowing Shakir has kind of solidified the slot role for this team. Right. Um, I mean, Franklin makes a lot of sense because the other thing that I think they need out there also. Eric is a field stretcher. We see all this cover too high coverage that they face yep. every single week. And while James Cook did help in some regard to pull safeties down into the box on occasion, they need somebody to stretch the field vertically because Davis was a downfield guy, but he is not a burner that strikes fear in corners and he's not a separator. Um, so with that in mind, I, I think Franklin would be, would be a very good fit for this team for for kind of what they need. They got to stretch the field vertically again. Yeah, and I mean we get caught up in the 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 wide receiver and and corner forty yard dashes sometimes. Maybe not corner, but certainly wide receiver. And but this year it's going to be fascinating to see what those times are in Indianapolis because, like you said, I think we do have a little bit bigger pool of that type of receiver. You know, Malik Neighbors is going to be a high pick. His teammate Brian Thomas you know, probably won't be there on the board when Buffalo's picking. Um, but Xavier Worthy from Texas, I think, could could move up. Maybe he's viewed as that early second-round pick right now. Um, you know, Mitchell maybe a little bit more uh, the, the, the the X receiver, and that's a great point that you bring up, Matty. But, yeah, I mean, McConkie has some, some second-level ability um, and maybe a little bit of deep ability, but – Maybe he's a little bit more like Shakir style-wise. Not quite the same, but but more like that. So I think Franklin, Worthy, Thomas, if you were to get in a range, you know, would, would certainly qualify as having enough length where you can get those 50-50 balls, but also enough speed to take the top off a of defense and have them reconsider playing uh, too deep all the time against Buffalo. Staying with the wide receivers and what you had in your latest mock draft, you have Romo Dunze going at number nine, and then your next wide receiver isn't until number 22, which is Brian Thomas heading to the Eagles. Why is there going to be, and we've seen this with other mock drafts too, why is there a big gap maybe from six to nine, depending on when that last wide receiver goes, Romo Dunze or Malik Neighbors? And then why is there a gap until the 20s that we're seeing names like Brian Thomas and Troy Franklin pop up there? Is it just because 
the offensive tackles and the quarterbacks are going to start to go around then? Is that because that's where there's some good depth there that teams might want to get some of those guys before you dip back into the wide receivers? Yeah, it's hard this time of year, right? We haven't had free agency yet. So a lot of, you know, my early mock draft, I mean, this is like, let's let's try to make it look like what the landscape could look like, but from really far away, right? Don't squint, <laughs> don't look too hard because, you know, a guy that I have 25th could end up going 10th or mm-hmm. a guy that I have in the top 10 may slip to the end around one or further. I looked back at my January mock a year ago and, you know, there were three or four picks that were hilariously out of place. So, you know, I'm still gathering that information. A lot of it will come next week as, uh, you know, I try to meet with as many people as possible, but I don't think there's any specific reason for it. Maybe Brian Thomas needs that strong week of testing to push himself into that top 15 range. You know, maybe Worthy has a chance to move up, Franklin, et cetera. So, there, you know, the perceived gap that, that shows up in a January mock draft may not be necessarily reflective of what the real talent is. So I know that's a way of deflecting a little bit, but I don't necessarily think there's a massive gap. It just so happens that Harrison, Neighbors, uh, Odunze, these are rare specimens, and they're they're probably going to be top 10 picks, and that's what makes it a little bit more on the top-heavy side. Yeah, I, I don't think Bill's fans are going to be disappointed mm-hmm. if five or six offensive tackles go to push the other rece- push the receiver <laughs> talent down, maybe for half a dozen corners. You know, they'll take anything yeah. at this point. Um, Eric, what can we expect from you on NFL.com next week during combine coverage? Yeah, I've, speaking of 40-yard dashes, I was actually, it must have been on my brain. I'm working on a story on who might be the uh, the 40-yard dash king in Indy, usually a running back, wide receiver, corner, maybe a safety this year. So uh, that's one thing I got coming up. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing from the coaches and GMs on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday as well. All right, sounds good, Eric. We'll see you out there in Indy. Thanks for giving us some time here just before the big week out there. Thanks very much. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. All right, that's Eric Edholm, NFL Media Lead Draft Analyst, joining us. And uh, as you said, he's going to have the 411 on some of the burners that will be running at the Love draft. It. We should mention uh, some news did come down earlier today about one of the draft prospects forecast as a late first-round pick, Cooper DeGene, the cornerback, who's actually been mocked a couple of times mm-hmm. to the Bills, too, yep. right, yep. out of he Iowa. Um, he is apparently not going to test. He's certainly not going to run. I don't know what other tests he's going to skip, but he's going to miss or skip most of the workout, if not all of it, at the Combine next week. Uh, apparently, a leg injury late in the season has thrown off his state of readiness to test at the combine, so he is going to test in April, uh, closer to the draft. I don't even. I think it's going to be even after the Iowa Pro Day, because uh, he's looking at eight, mid-April. Interesting. They said. So you got to wonder what that injury was. Mm-hmm. No doubt he's going to be getting pulled and prodded by all the doctors uh, in Indianapolis next week, uh, for sure. So that's uh, kind of the latest there. Uh, we are asking you at eight zero three zero five fifty. One eight 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 five fifty two five fifty. What are you hoping to hear about the Bills at next week's NFL Combine? Let's get back to the phones. We go to Mark in British Columbia, who's been waiting patiently. What do you got for us, Mark? Hey, fellas, how's it going? Or sorry, not fellas, but uh, how are you guys doing today? We're doing good. Good. Hey, uh, got a question. I keep hearing Steve talk about uh, moving up potentially to get around that eighteen spot. It would cost us our first and our second. I'm wondering what. Uh, Let's say a Brian Thomas is there at around twenty-two, twenty-three. Would would our first and our com- potential compensatory be enough to make that happen? 
no, think- I think it's the two. I think yeah. you got to. I think you got to give up the two to get there. Um, if you give up the two and the three, you can get as high as seventeen or eighteen, but you got to give up the two uh, to get to twenty-three. At least, if I remember that correctly, from what Steve was calculating yesterday. So it's a pretty penny. Um, but if you're convinced that is the difference maker for your offense, and you know you can part with a second-round pick, knowing you got others, you know later in the draft, then go ahead and do it. Um, that's called courage of your conviction. And we've seen Brandon Bean do it before. Mm-hmm. He's traded up more than anything else in the first round in his time here as Bill's GM, <laughs> so I wouldn't put it past him. Uh, we know if there is a player he covets, he will go get him, even if he's only got to move up one spot like he did last year when he was convinced the Cowboys were going to leapfrog him to try to get Dalton Kincaid so he wasn't taking any chances. He moved up one spot to in a trade with Jacksonville to make sure that he got him. Um, you got to do what you got to do. Yep. Hearing how how much depth there is in this wide receiver draft class, hearing how deep it is and, and how many great wide receivers you can also get on day two. I don't know, trading up all the way to 20 uh, to go get Brian Thomas. Great player, great player. But led, thinking, led the FBS in touchdowns, 17. Thinking about what the Bills might need to do with this draft and how we might need to get a few starters out of this draft with – our cap number, I don't know. I could be convinced. I could be convinced for the right, the right wide receiver, though. Yeah, I, think, I think much to Eric's point, who was just on with us, we got to wait and see how free agency plays out, mm-hmm. which will paint part of the picture for us a little bit clearer. And maybe we know better from a numbers standpoint, hey, how many instant impact guys do the Bills really need to pull out of this draft class? Because you may have – answers at safety already from free agent pickups. You may have three of the four holes at defensive tackle plugged pretty capably. So it could really change the dynamics in the conversation about how many instant impact players they need to pull uh, out of this draft class. Let's go back to the phones and to Carl on a cell. What do you got for us, Carl? Yeah, I was just asking a question. I think that the the, uh, offense played pretty well, pretty decently, actually. I think the defense was the one that's lacking, and I would worry more about getting my defense taken care of rather than jump right in for a wide receiver. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I, no, and you know, you're you're entitled to it, Carl. And there's going to be plenty. Arnold, Powell, you know, I mean, Jack Nicholas says you drive for you drive for show, you putt for dough. Uh, you know, it's nice to see a long ball, but you know, if you haven't got anybody to stop the other side from throwing the long ball, you're in trouble. Yeah, no, I, I respect where you're coming from, Carl. And look, if, if the receiver class, if the value is not good at 28, Brandon Bean's not taking a receiver. Um, he's not going to reach for a position. So if, if the receiver well is dried up by the time they're on the board at 28 or wherever they wind up, uh, he will pivot. That's what he did last year. You know, the, the, there was a run on receivers starting at 20, they were picking at like 27, if I remember right, 26, somewhere in there. And they went 20, 21, 22, and they all came off the board. You know, Addison, Zay Flowers, those guys all came off right in front of Buffalo. So what did Brandon Bean do? He pivoted, and he took the best pass-catching tight end in the draft, and he had a record-breaking season uh, in Bill's history for catches by a tight end in a single season. So I, I think he would do the same thing again if a similar situation cropped up and he would pivot. And I would believe he would pivot 
probably towards the defensive line, whether it's a pass rusher or a defensive tackle. And I know that might not be music to the ears of a lot of Bills fans that are tired of seeing the Bills invest high draft choices in defensive players, but if the value takes you there, you go there. Quick, before we go to break, uh, there is an athletic, the athletic mock draft, the latest one just dropped uh, from their beat reporters, and Joe Biscaglia has us trading up to number 2021, trading up to number 21 with Miami. We send number 28, number 99, and number 192 to the Dolphins for the 21st overall pick to draft Brian Thomas Jr. Mm. I can't see Miami doing that with us. A division rival. Yeah. We're going to help you, you wanna out. You want to dance with Miami? I don't know if Miami does that. That does not happen often. I will say that. In, intra-division draft mm-hmm. trades do not happen often. The re, part of the reason why is, number one, you're conceivably helping that team get the player they covet. And number two, if it works out for that team, you will never hear the end of it because you'll be <laughs> reminded of it twice a year. We should have never sent those picks over to Miami or Miami yeah. saying we should have never sent that pick to the Bills. Now, I know there are examples uh, in, in past history. Um, you know, that the Bills traded for Drew Bledsoe. Um, Patriots knew what they had in Tom Brady, so they didn't mind throwing Drew Bledsoe overboard and it didn't really work out terribly well. It certainly didn't get the Bills to the playoffs. You know, Wes Welker used to be a Dolphin and then went up to New England and tore it up there. So there are examples. Um, but on draft day, intra-division trades, not as common as you might think. I, I, I love Joe and his work, but I'd be surprised if that happens. <laughs> I really would. Um, gotta, I, I love the pick, though. If it happens and they get that guy, I'm over the moon. I'm over the moon. Got to take a break here. When we come back, more of your thoughts on the tweet sheet. And if we have time, a little time for some NFL true false. You're on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Maddie Glad with you. And I uh, want to get back to some of the thoughts on the tweet sheet where we were asking you, what are you hoping to hear about the Bills at next week's NFL Combine? From Bills for the Money, they say that they see a fit at wide receiver with multiple prospects at the Combine. And as we've been talking for most of this show, there's a good chance that happens just because of the depth of the class. Garvey says, I would like to hear that Bean, McDermott, Babich, and Brady are doing their due diligence in person on defensive backs, defensive linemen, and wide receiver prospects. Yeah, I mean, it's really the scouting department that's done a lot of that legwork in terms of putting reports together on just about everybody that's draft eligible. And it's only now that the coaching staff is starting to catch up on those prospects. And more often than not, the personnel department will give them a list of players at their position. Um, Now, for coordinators, they would get a different group of players at different positions, obviously because they're overseeing the whole side of the football, and they'll be asked to do some film review of those players to get their opinion. And obviously a lot of those coaches, the ones that were mentioned here by Garvey, will absolutely be in the interview room at the combine this week when the Bills get their 60-player 
individual one-on-one interviews. And it's nice to have those guys around. I mean, it's nice to have as as many people in the room as you can during those interviews because a lot of people may have different opinions, may pick up on something different that that a prospect says that they end up really like liking or maybe they don't like somebody because of how an interview went. But it's nice to have several different coaches and scouts in the room together because when you have more people, I think you're going to end up making a better decision at the end of the day. Just from what we've seen, based on our embedded pieces and beyond blue and red pieces when we cover the draft, our video team, we've seen in most cases in the interview setting, it's the position coach interviewing the prospect who plays that position, and that allows everybody else to just kind of sit back and listen to the answers, observe the prospect's demeanor, what's his personality like. You're not focused on questions. You're focused on the player, his answers, and what he likes. And then if someone like Coach McDermott wants to chime in and follow up, they'll chime in. But it's usually the position coach that leads the interview. We saw that last year when Rob Boris, Buffalo's tight ends coach, kind of led the in-person interview with Dalton Kincaid, who presto change winds up being the Bills' first-round pick. Um, Patrick on the tweet sheet says they have sat – I want to hear that they've sat with numerous wide receivers of interest, also some mention of them attached to some possible free agent signings. We'll see what we can do, Patrick, in getting those answers for you. Maybe (laughs) maybe not. We'll see. Um, It's a tough time of year because, you know, you want to answer questions, but you also don't want to give away the farm in terms of what your off-season plans are because somebody else could – corrupt them if they have an idea on which way you're leaning yeah and during the combine I mean you're at least what we hear is you may hear a little bit from Brandon Bean you may hear um, some rumors that come out of the combine usually not just with the bills but usually you hear a couple things related to a few teams in terms of what they're going to do during free agency You have this dead period right now in the combine we're focused on the guys coming out of college football but man, when we return home from the combine and free agency comes so quick, we're already into March. By the time we get back, March thirteenth so, is the day. Yeah, with the you know negotiating period starting on the eleventh. So yeah, I mean, get back from the combine. It's March second next Saturday. We're yeah. almost there. Negotiating period's nine days away. <laughs> so yeah, it, it comes up fast. Once you get to the combine, it's almost like the wheels start turning again, Mm -hmm. and you're already at the top of the hill coming down towards the next season. George on the tweet sheet says, I'm looking forward to hearing nothing. A quiet combine is a good combine. I really don't want to hear anything about the people they are targeting until after the draft. Yeah, see, George, he's all about loose lips sink ships. (laughs) You don't want to hear anything. Keep it it close to the vest. Don't say anything Mm -hmm. about anybody. We don't want to tip any any of the other 31 teams off. George is... George wants full incognito mode, which, you know, I get it. Why tip anybody else off as to your plans, right? Yeah, makes sense. Uh, Although I do hope we hear some things so that it's easier for us to talk about things during the week. That is true. (laughs) Otherwise, we got some long shows ahead of us out there in Indianapolis this week. Uh, Robert on the tweet sheet says, I'm hoping to hear Marvin Harrison Jr. gets caught with something. Nothing too serious just enough for his stock to fall, and ultimately falls to the Bills. (laughs) You can wish. You can dream, Robert. I'm not saying you can't. That That would be, well, it wouldn't be the first time, I guess, right? We've seen guys draft stock fall for 
off the field issues. Um, I don't know that we have any reason to think that that would happen to Marvin Harrison, but stranger things have happened. Um, there have been examples of players whose draft stock has fallen as late as draft day. Laramie Tunsil comes to mind. Oh, yeah. Um, Warren Sapp fell down the board because somebody put out a rumor there about uh, his usage of marijuana, and he dropped down the board, enough for Tampa to take him. So it has happened, uh, more so closer to the draft than at the NFL Combine. But the ones we hear at the Combine the most, Maddie, now that I'm thinking about this, are what is what is discovered in the medical exam. Mm-hmm. Like we'll hear things like this person has a chronic knee condition, this person has uh, disc deterioration in his lower back, and if that's a lineman, that's a problem. Um, it's usually the medical that uncovers things uh, that we you know, didn't know going in, obviously. And sometimes the person most surprised is the player themselves. Like, what? What do you mean I got a bad shoulder? I've been playing with this shoulder for my whole life. You know, it's unbelievable what those doctors find sometimes. Yeah, I mean, they go into uh, their first couple days are in those offices, are doing those exams, is looking at, okay, x-rays, this, that, medical history, and the research that they do and the exams that they do and, and the things that they compile are so in-depth about some of these players. And like you said, sometimes things pop up that people didn't know about. Yeah, even the player himself. Steph on the tweet sheet says, the cap went up more than expected and we can keep Gabe Davis or Vaughn has agreed to restructure his contract to free up more space to keep good talent on his side of the ball. I think Steph is on the right track here because I think we're more likely to hear stuff about Buffalo's roster and some off-season plans therein, rather than the draft prospects who are all watching Test. That's that's kind of been the history that we've experienced, I would say. Yeah, I I do hope that we hear that several players, whether it's at the combine or following the combine, about guys being willing to restructure because I think that's going to have to be a big part of this for Brandon Bean to get where he needs to be with that cap number. You're going to have to have guys who are willing to move some money around, willing to take less this next season so that the Bills can be in a good place leading into the draft with the $15 that they have set aside or whatever that number is for their draft class. Yeah, and restructures are rarely an issue for players because it usually means more money in their pocket right now rather than having to wait for it and earn it in the form of a base salary. And most players are more than agreeable to that. It's, it's more of the pay cut stuff mm-hmm. that gets a little sticky sometimes. Steve on the tweet sheet says, I want to hear that they are in negotiations with both Rasul Douglas extension and Daquan Jones new contract. Yeah. Um, I'd be fine with both of those, except especially if Douglas's extension reduces his cap figure because he's I think he's got like a nine million dollar cap figure this year and you got to believe they want to reduce that to some degree and maybe they do that by spreading the money out a little bit more that would be a restructure and if they're working with Daquan Jones already on a new contract I'll be pretty happy about that me too I'd love to see him here next year he was a big part of that (laughs) defensive line room I know we missed him for for several several weeks but the beginning of the season and the end of the season with him were great right and I think it's safe to say that 
Ed Oliver was often at his best when he had Daquan Jones lining up next to him. Got to take a break here. Some final thoughts uh, on the tweet sheet when we return here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, one last segment here on a Thursday edition of One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Maddie Glab with you. And one last comment on the tweet sheet here, and this one comes from Randy, and he says, Brownie, don't forget about the big X, Xavier Leggett, South Carolina, big, fast, contested catch monster, and plays special teams. Sounds like a guy that will contribute in some form or another from the get-go. Yeah, we're, we've got a Xavier Leggett on the radar. Don't worry. Um, I think you might be surprised. He is thickly built, but he only measured 6'1" at the Senior Bowl. So he's not super tall, mm-hmm. tall enough, uh, and he is a monster. Like a contested catch monster is an accurate description. Um, I know that just talking around the league to some people, one of the other concerns scouts have about him is he didn't break out until his fifth-year senior season hmm. when he went last year, 71-12-55 and seven touchdowns. Um Prior to that, his best season was in 2022, 18 receptions, 167 yards in 13 oh, games. Wow. That's his next best season. So there is a concern, and that's where scouts feel better about projecting a guy with a bigger body of work, mm-hmm. and that's why it's generally thought he is not going anywhere in the first round and maybe go, not go until the second half of round two because the body of work isn't there. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, if, if there's guys who, who have potential to play at a high level in this league that are going to drop into day two and day three, sign me up because we'll, we'll pick them. Yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> just keep picking them until we have no more picks left. Uh, that is it for us today, but Manny and I will be right back here tomorrow as we have a mock draft watch special oh, yeah. as Maddie updates us on the latest thing that people around the league are saying about who the Bills are taking at 28. That's if they stay there. We'll see you tomorrow at 1.